Hey, beautiful mama, and welcome to Bell and Beyond. I'm your podcast host, Katie, a mama of one little legend, Hunter, and we have been on the most wild health journey ever. My son was born and diagnosed with a cleft lip, and I want to share with you how I was empowered through it all. This podcast is for mums or soon-to-be mums and dads. Feel free to jump in too. It's a place to debunk the many motherhood myths that leave us feeling confused, lost, and misguided. I want you, Mama, to walk away from every episode feeling empowered and educated to make choices that feel right for you and your family. My heart is to see mamas connecting back to their roots and being exposed to ancient wisdom with modern day education. I'll be bringing you open and real conversations around topics we are not talking about enough with people passionate about seeing you, Mama, thrive from the belly and beyond. Welcome back to another episode of Bell and Beyond. I'm super excited for this next series that we're going into. It's going to be all about lactation, feeding, breastfeeding support, tools we can be using to support ourselves on our breastfeeding journey, specialists that are passionate around breast tissue, mastitis, feeding, complications that can arise with breastfeeding and babies in NICU or preemie babies. I'm going to be sharing with you my personal pumping top tips in a solo episode. There's so much coming to empower you as mums. I'm so excited. And no matter what your feeding journey is, all the power to you and whatever's right for you, your family, your baby, your mental health. My whole heart and intention around this series isn't to say that one way is the right way. It's to expose you to more content, more information, more empowerment from people that specialize in these areas rather than just taking advice from Betty Jo down the road or your local GP or a midwife that's flat out busy that actually hasn't got the time to sit there with you and go through your whole breastfeeding journey. Breastfeeding can be really, really hard and it can be a slow commitment that needs to take place. Your baby might have been born a bit smaller. You might need time for them to adjust to your nipples. Your nipples might be inverted. Your baby might have a cleft like me. Your baby might have a tongue tie. There's actually a lot that goes on and I just want to create a space of awareness So if all the information was presented before you and all the professionals were laid out before you and you got to sit and have one-on-one consultation with whoever it was to discuss your options, that you were given everything you could before you made that decision. And the last thing I would ever want to see in our generation is one person at the local community center told you that you couldn't do something or your breast milk wasn't good enough or your nipples weren't the right size and speak something over you and your breastfeeding journey before you've even had the chance to discover and figure it out, especially if you're a first-time mom. We're actually looking to anchor from people with expertise and that we're trusting and often they can give us the wrong information and divert our entire breastfeeding journey or feeding journey, misdiagnosed mastitis, saying that we don't have enough quality milk, saying that our milk supply isn't big enough and diverting us from exploring these things for ourselves. So that is literally all that I want to see come out of this next series is more options for you to choose from that feel right and best for your family. And I think when we have access to the right information, it's a lot easier to make a grounded, well-thought decision rather than one out of fear, panic, and stress. And I know how much those early days of fatigue and late nights and lack of sleep 
can really affect our judgment and really affect our decision making. And we can often look back and feel resentful or misguided or wished that there was someone else we could anchor to in that season. So that's my intentions for this series. I was unable to breastfeed, as you'll know, in some of my story. So I became a almost full-time pumping mom as well as a formula feeding mom. And I had my own difficulties finding the right formula that was right for his gut. So I'm totally there with you. I have felt not being able to breastfeed. So missed out on that journey, had complications with my baby, had to find the right formula. I'm a bottle feeding mom and a pumping mom. So I've really experienced a lot of things. One thing I haven't experienced is breastfeeding. So I've called people in to discuss that more. And I love watching people breastfeed. I think it's a very beautiful gift if that's been able to work out for you. But This episode is with an incredible lady called Kate from Milky Business Lactation on Instagram. And she's a registered midwife, a nurse, and an international board certified lactation consultant in New South Wales. She lives on the Central Coast and she is your best breastfeeding guru across social media. One of the things that really attracted me to Kate was her really cute, hilarious reels. Go check them out. She's got like knitted boobs and they look like puppets and really great education and information. She's a proud mama of two, although has no idea how she survived two under two without coffee. Her life's work is to see you, mama, thriving and flourishing on your journey that you choose to have. And she wants to support mamas one-on-one and also educate from a professional perspective about breastfeeding. I absolutely love as well that she's created these prenatal expressing packs, which she's going to talk about in this episode as well. And it's going to be on my top list for mum's baby shower gifts. So I'm super excited about that as well. So you're going to get a real variety of information today. Might also help you just being a wonderful support to somebody around you. So let's get right into it. Well, hi, Kate. Welcome to Bell and Beyond. Thank you so much for being here. Um, if you could just introduce yourself and a little bit about your business and your career and a top mama tip. Oh, for sure. Thanks, Katie, for having me. It's such a pleasure to be on. Um, so my name is Kate and I'm the lactation consultant behind Milky Business on Instagram, Milky Business Lactation. Sometimes that gets thrown in there for fun. Um, so I'm a, I suppose, Part of my work is I'm a nurse and a midwife, um, but then obviously the business side of things, I work as a lactation consultant and I'm lucky enough to be credentialed as what we an IBCLC, so an international board certified lactation consultant. And I've been doing it now for a few years and I absolutely love it. It means I get to work with women and families and their babies in whatever space of life they are in, whether they're pregnant, you know, newly had a baby right through to weaning and anything in between, anything to do with feeding your baby is right up my alley. And so I get to do that day in and day out. And that is pretty much what you know, lactation work is. And Milky Business is all about supporting mums where they're at, you know, not forcing mums down one path or what I think is best. It's about coming alongside them and, you know, kind of being whatever they need me to be and support them with whatever their goals are which is really diverse and really exciting and really beautiful work. But something that is definitely lacking in the modern world and desperately needed. So it's such a joy to be able to do this work. And if I had to give you my hot mama tip, 
I would probably run with the cook double or cook triple, to be honest, because I was a two under two mama and no one ever has time to cook um, when you've got babies and things like that. So cook double, girl. Cook double. Cook double or cook triple and just literally make your family the same thing every day for the whole week. (laughs) Look, you know, my girls ask for, can we please have veggies, pasta, chicken and avocado? And I go, of course you can. It's probably what we've had lots of times, but sure. So absolutely. (laughs) Wow, I love that. So did you start your career as a midwife and nurse and then fall into being a lactation consultant? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. I I did. I didn't fall into it. It was very much so a purpose-driven thing. But, yes, I did. I wanted to do my nursing first. I had the option to study solely midwifery but I kind of thought maybe I'm going to learn some extra skills by doing nursing first and I don't regret that for a second I did learn lots of interesting stuff but on paper I'm a nurse but I'm you know not really my forte midwifery and working with um, pregnant and postpartum and interpartum women is definitely my thing so nursing kind of was just a stepping stone to um allow me to get into the work that I wanted to and just have that extra qualification. So it was when I was doing midwifery that I was privileged enough to work with a couple of different board certified lactation consultants. And I knew that this work was around. I was young. I was only in my early 20s. I was, I knew that this work was there, but I didn't know the name behind it or the qualification or the role or the title. And once I knew that, I was like, ah, this is what I want to do. So pretty much every kind of professional um, step I made after that was with the goal in mind um, of working towards being a lactation consultant. So, um, yeah, it was definitely something that I kind of honed in on and narrowed my way down and knew that it would be something that I could do for forever, that I could be a rickety old um, 80-year-old lady still being passionate about women being supported in their breastfeeding journeys, um, you know, with my Zimmer frame if I needed it. So <laughs> it was something I've, you know, I would consider my life's work and I'm really happy to um, to be in it and loving it. That's awesome. And I actually did a little bit of research around how you become a lactation consultant. It's actually not that easy. You actually do really need to require a degree first, like either nursing or midwifery, and then you can do an extra course additionally on top of that. But someone like myself that doesn't have any background um, education that couldn't just go and become a lactation consultant. I feel like you hear the word lactation consultant, you don't necessarily know the depth of what goes into actually being able to do what yeah. you do. Um, it's yeah. actually it's actually really special, and I feel like that's maybe why there isn't necessarily heaps of them. Like you're probably in that world, you know more. But most yeah. ones I talk to really really struggle to find. Do you know a good lactation consultant? Like yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit about that. It is. It's really tricky. It's a really long process. So there's, you know, to, to simplify it, there's, yeah, there's three different pathways you can go down to become a lactation consultant. There's kind of only two that are feasible in Australia, but one of them is the most common and that's where um, you have someone who has a, a health 
science degree of some kind. So there's lots of midwives, lots of nurses. There's a handful of doctors. You'll also get um, people who are osteopaths or physios as well, um, who have got a you know kind of a sideline passion that leads them into working with postpartum women. So we've already got at least a bachelor's degree in something health related. Um, and that contains 14 science-based subjects. But on top of that, we need to have at least a 1,000 hours working with breastfeeding women. And then we need to complete wow. at least 90 hours of breastfeeding-specific education. And all that does is that just qualifies us to sit an exam. Um, and that exam is four hours long and... If, it, if we pass, then it has a, around about a 75% pass rate. If we pass, then we credential, um, but we need to re-credential every five years. So it's a really it's a really difficult process. There's lots of hoops to jump through. It's not a, uh, it's not a cheap process either, and there's lots of upkeep to it. So it's not easy, unfortunately, and I think there's lots of barriers to people becoming lactation consultants. And it's needed. We need more breastfeeding professionals because really the midwife in me who was super passionate about breastfeeding still you know I look now and I go I you just don't know what you don't know until you learn about new things but I still wasn't skilled enough um, and I can't speak for every midwife but I you know as someone who was passionate about breastfeeding there was still so much I didn't know um, that I've learned since and I've been able to expand on that and it's only through the process of becoming a lactation consultant. So it's really tricky for women to find a lactation consultant, especially in rural and remote areas. There's definitely more mm. in, um, you know, kind of city-based areas and metro areas. So, like, access is really difficult. Yes, you can do virtual consults, which I love to be able to do, but that's not always the best option. So it's really tricky for women to be able to find good care and it's just it's not good enough so we need more we need more people to to be in this work and to value it um, and to see the importance of it for mothers and for babies and for families moving forward but it's a very slow process and that's a you know like a government issue and a societal issue and cultural issue that we're just we're all chipping away at slowly and I'm just doing my little bit and honestly, I, I'm just really encouraged to see younger women coming through because I feel like there is a little bit of a stigma around lactation consults being like a, like an older age or like your yeah. grandma or like it's kind yeah. of that stigma to it. And I feel like it doesn't need to be that way. There's beautiful young women like you coming through, you're fresh, you're passionate, you're extremely intentional to do this career path. And I think yes. that's also been really relatable for new mums as well and felt really yes. heard and nurtured and um, new modern culture as well, yes. I think has been yes. really empowering. I think it's so good we're spreading the word and I like I really hope so many pregnant mums or new mums also listening to this because there is so much that doesn't necessarily get told to you in those hospital yeah. um, breastfeeding courses that we go to. I also don't think that, as you said, necessarily all the midwives are fully trained and equipped or actually even if they were, sometimes don't even have the time depending on what hospital they're Absolutely. in, depending on what time of the year that you're having a baby. Like yeah. they're slammed, like they're yeah. so busy and often understaffed and don't have the time to sit there with you for hours and talk you through things and be with you. And 
like a couple of the other podcasts I've talked to, especially with some doulas, the whole point back in the day was that we're actually meant to just sit together yeah. and nurture and women were meant together and we would take our time, you'd be encouraged. Yeah. Other mamas and aunties and cousins would come around and help and support. And I guess in our modern day world, that's why people like you are becoming even more needed because we've yeah. lost that community culture. So Mums are really isolated. Yeah. Even in cities, like yeah. not even rural areas. Yeah. Mums that sit at home that have parents overseas at the yeah. moment, maybe a parent's past, maybe has a very dysfunctional relationship and they literally have no idea what to do. Yeah, so 100%. Tell us a little bit about your current clients now. Like what are the types of breastfeeding issues, I don't know if that's the right word, yeah. or concerns that people come to you with and you're working through them? Obviously don't reveal confidentiality, but yeah. just some different scenarios. I think that probably if I I had to choose the top the top few that I would see the first one would be something related to nipple pain or damage and that's a really common one that's a big reason why women wean their babies earlier than they intend to um, and their breastfeeding journey ends because anything that's significantly painful we just can't do like you know if you had a broken leg you wouldn't walk on it every single day it just they get to a point where you're like, I just can't, I just can't do this anymore. This is not sustainable. And somehow we expect women to soldier on um, and push through nipple pain and we'll be like, oh, your lap looks great. And, you know, just whack some lanolin cream on and off you go. And that's really not helpful. We need to figure out why there's this pain. Is it as simple as just, you know, adjusting positioning and attachment and education and really simple stuff, which is, you know, we lack even in the hospital system. We don't, you're right, we don't have that time and that capacity always to to sit with women and to be patient and to watch a whole breastfeed and to watch the next breastfeed and the one after that. So nipple pain and damage, I'll often see women who come in who will have anything from just tender nipples through to incredibly damaged nipples and it's really hard to work on repairing that. But my job is to always come back to what's the root cause of this and so I do see a significant portion of mums who have babies who have tongue ties. And so it's always really great and a privilege to be able to be that kind of stopgap for mums because often I know that I'm not the first resort. I know that mums will often be, you know, multiple midwives. They'll see their child health nurse. They'll see their GP. They might go to child and family health drop-in clinics and see uh, a breastfeeding support person there before they come and see me. And so often they'll have multiple opinions and they're trying to navigate that and they're concerned that something isn't right and they'll come and see me and I get to do this beautiful full assessment and to sit with them and talk just about what's happening and how they're going and what feeding looks like and feels like and watch it. And the sheer relief when I tell them that they're not broken or their baby's not broken and this is what we can do to fix it is just the best. So nipple pain and damage is a huge one um, for mamas that I see. But the next probably most common one would be um, a, a query low milk supply or like just that top-up trap cycle. Um, so, you know, baby might not be gaining weight adequately or top-ups were just started really early. And someone said here, you know, give your baby a bottle. And now they're kind of working with this, well, now my baby might not want the breast and they're taking more formula and 
I just don't know what's happening and how do I how do I get off this mouse trap wheel um, and try and mm-hmm. try to navigate that because unfortunately it's really common in our really fragmented system and it, it just comes down to the fold of our system where it, we don't have that continuity all the time there's a real lack of continuity after you have your baby lots of time sometimes women are there's about eight to ten percent of women in Australia are lucky enough to have continuity of care from a midwife during their pregnancy but that continuity postnatally we really lack so they might see someone mm. once who says oh look your baby hasn't gained enough weight I think we need to do formula top-ups where you need to be pumping and expressing and then give your baby your express breast milk and then give them formula on top of this and but there's no plan it's well when does this end and what does this look like or you know if you want me to give my baby formula what do I do with my breast milk like how do I increase my milk supply and trying to navigate that and so they often come to me just bewildered again by multiple opinions before seeing me and I get that privilege of unpacking it and going well firstly is your milk supply actually low and they're usually incredibly tired mums because that's what we call triple feeding when they're breastfeeding pumping and doing top-ups with formula or breast milk afterwards and it's about trying to make a, a sustainable plan and I love it I've had a few messages recently from mums who've had they've just made it to the other side and have had to work really hard like we've put a plan in place that they've been happy with but they've gotten to the other side and they're like, hey, Kate, I just wanted to let you know that my baby has been exclusively breastfed for the last two weeks. And I just sit there and go, oh, we've done it. Like we've done it. And I'm just so thrilled for these mums because that was their goal. Their goal was to get rid of all the stuff. They just go, I just want to enjoy feeding. I just want to be able to put my baby on the breast, not, you know, not be concerned, not have this schedule of things and stuff I just want it to be as effortless as I thought it was going to be they've had to work so hard and it might be months down the Mm. track but they've gotten there and it's just such an overwhelming sense of pride for them that they've worked hard and they've gotten to that other side and then another I suppose my third lot of clients really see me for reassurance more than anything and that can be related to how often babies feed, you know, how little they sleep or what their wake-up periods look like overnight. And it's like normal parenting stuff that no one really talks about. And I'm really big on what babies biologically need. And so I get that privilege to kind of hold space for babies and advocate for them and advocate for mums too and what that looks like and how much support they really need from everyone else around them and what that looks like for them though because you're right some people don't have family we don't have friends they don't have a great support network so how the heck can they survive this parenting gig um, on their own but still be focused on their baby and be doing what's best for their baby so they're probably the three most common ones that I see um, and research supports nipple pain and a query low milk supply is the two biggest reasons why um, breastfeeding ends early. We know that we need good information in a timely way and we need lots of support. So it's, um yeah, they're tricky ones, absolutely tricky, but such an all individual, but such a privilege to be able to see them get to the other side. And do you also find that 
women come to you with really previously horrible advice. (laughs) They're often really scared and someone's just rattled them and made them literally feel like they're the worst mum because that's some of the horrible stories I've heard and I've even had my own really rattling, feeding experience with, and I'm not here to bag the local community centre. I'm sure there's great people at different, you know, family check-ins around Australia, but I do hear a lot of stories and a lot of mums have said to me if that was my first baby I don't think I would have mentally survived what she said to me because it was my second and my third I kind of just was like like I'll figure it out and have that confidence for me I was the girl that went there every single Monday at 10 a.m and got laid for literally eight weeks and it made me go loco made me go so crazy I remember turning to my mum and I'm like I don't think I even know how to be a mum anymore Mm. I have so many people's opinions in my head I've lost my intuition I I can't even feel my baby anymore yeah and I I had this moment I was like right and I'm not giving this advice to everybody out there but I just stopped answering my phone to all the people and I went good and I just stopped stressing about the weigh-ins and all this stuff that they're putting on me and my baby actually got better really quickly mm. and put on weight even faster. Wow. And I didn't even go to the weigh-ins anymore and I could yeah. see everything was fine. But there was just so much pressure and the pressure wasn't helping. Yeah. So, And that's just one situation. But do you find women come to you and they're like, this person said this and this person said this and you're like, okay, let's just start from the beginning because that might not be completely yes. accurate information. Like how, do you, yeah. like how is that? You're hearing the things that people get told and you're like, that's not right, sweetheart. Let's do this better. Yeah, it's really tricky to navigate because I recognise that this is my specialty and it would be no different to me talking to a plumber. And if I tried to, you know, <laughs> like that's their specialty. If I had a problem with my drain, that's their specialty. And it, yes, I could give my two cents to someone else, but it's not necessarily going to be my forte in comparison to theirs. So I'm very aware that for lots of other health professionals that breastfeeding, they're probably lacking significant education. I think midwives receive about the most breastfeeding education out of any health professional. But even then, it's limited on average between universities. We don't have great stats, but it's limited to around about 20 hours. And that's not significant like if you think of breastfeeding as one topic and you tried to cover it all no way could you cover even just the bare essentials and the practicalities and the common stuff in 20 hours and if you break it down for every other health professionals you know like GPs receive about an hour or two it's really tricky and for child and family health nurses they might it's great if they've been midwives before lots of them aren't so they might have come from a very different area of nursing and taken up child and health, uh, child and family health, and that's across the whole spectrum. That's birth to eighteen years. So, breastfeeding is probably not going to be their specialty. So, you know, like poor advice is really common, and it takes us a long time to filter stuff out of what we say. It just kind of carries down the line, and it just becomes this bit of a lingo, and it's easily passed on and handed down, and. There's things people say that definitely isn't correct and I try and listen to families first and hear their story and who they've seen and what's been said and what that plan has been and how that's worked for them and if it's worked, most of the time it hasn't because they're in my space with me and working through that and 
I do encourage families, if I disagree with something that's been said, I'll always explain why. And I have that time to be able to give that history and the science behind it, which oftentimes other health professionals don't have the time to do. It's really, if we're all really time poor, particularly in the public health system, and it was well, not an excuse and it's certainly not good enough, we do need to do better. And so being able to give women that kind of full answer and then they kind of have the, oh, so what they said wasn't right. And I go, look, that's not the plan that I would have put in place for you. And that's certainly not something I would have said just yet. I think we could try this first or whatever it may be. I do encourage those families to always provide feedback to whoever they have seen because I think that's really important and that's really sometimes the only way that what is said is going to change, but it is. <laughs> it's really tricky to navigate that poor advice. It's hard and, like I said, I'm very rarely the first person that someone will see. Sometimes I am and I'm very fortunate that I get to be that one who kind of moulds and shapes their thoughts and really supports them in how they you know intuitively want to parent and what they want to do and what they want their breastfeeding experience to look like I love meeting women during their pregnancy because I get to do that and be that from the beginning and it's fantastic but I'm always very mindful that if I'm fourth fifth sixth person down the line that I've got some undoing work to do and we've got to go back to the beginning and rebuild and that's tricky for mums who yeah like you're in a similar position where you've just been so overwhelmed with opinions and you just feel soul shattered that you don't have any intuition left because everyone's just told you a different thing and you're like but this is my child and it's so hard and I yep I totally hear you. It's tricky. It's so tricky. And also I feel like, tell me if this is right, more percentage of people that come to you, I mean, I would love to see this statistic change because something hasn't been working rather than come to you when they're pregnant to prepare. Would that oh, be right? Yeah, like like 98% yeah. Yeah, would be there's an issue. Probably... Like I'm starting to see maybe a little bit of an increase or maybe it just kind of fluctuates of women who go, oh, I've got an issue. I'm going to read straight out to see a lactation consultant. There's lots of mums where I am who will be referred directly by their midwife or the care provider who says, you know, this is out of my scope. Go straight and see Kate. And that's fantastic because we jump on top of the issue yes. straight away. It's still an issue. They're still mm. seeing the you know, certainly not for funsies or for reassurance, but there is an issue, but they've come straight to me without going through the list. Um, the vast majority would still, I'm further down the line. And that's totally fine. I get it. But it can make it challenging, you know, in terms of. And traumatic. They might yeah. have gone through a lot of trauma before they get to you. Yeah. I'm just thinking in my head as we're talking, like the ultimate goal for you and women would be listening and they're becoming more aware that breastfeeding can be challenging and what they can do in their pregnancy to be aware and preparing, which is why I'd love as well for you to talk about your antenatal expressing kit, which is something I so wished I did because I feel like that is just a great first start to your 
breastfeeding yes. slash feeding journey yeah. and it's already got you thinking because I feel like if you're doing yes. something like that, you're thinking about your breastfeeding journey, yeah. you're already onto it and you're aware there could be things that you need support in and you're okay with that. Like you've kind of already processed it through your mind. Yeah. So share a little bit about why you put together your Antinel Expressing kits. Totally. So I, you know, like there are, firstly, there's there's different kinds of Antinel Expressing kits that are available in Australia. A big reason why I wanted to put one together was because I was an IBCLC. And I think it's really important that for any breastfeeding product, because lots of women during their pregnancy, we buy all the stuff. We prepare for baby breastfeeding, parenting. We buy all the stuff. But what does the stuff really do? Like, does the stuff teach you mm-hmm. anything? Does it encourage you in any way? Does it link you in with services? And I'd say like 99% of the time it doesn't. So I wanted a product that was put out by an IBCLC that could actually share with women what the heck a lactation consultant is and how they can support you in your journey. And not necessarily to link women in with me, but to link women in with their local lactation consultants, but just to create that awareness that we are actually here to support you from your pregnancy right through to weaning and everything in between so that it's not something that you have to magically discover after you've had a baby when you're having issues so firstly a big reason was for that to create that awareness but secondly I'm also so I'm a huge advocate for internet expressing because as a midwife I get to see every day that I work how our birth culture and our policies and procedures impact breastfeeding there's around one in three women on average in Australia are going to have a cesarean birth the majority of women will have uh, significant pain relief, so morphine or an epidural uh, during their labour and birth. And around almost one in two women, depending on what hospital you're in, will either be induced, so their labour will be started without starting on its own, or it will be what we call augmented, so sped up if things are slowing down. And all of those things have the ability to significantly impact our breastfeeding journey. That might not necessarily be that it slows down your milk production or slows down um, the process of your milk transitioning from colostrum to mature milk. It can affect your baby and your birth outcomes. It can change the pressure that's placed on your baby's head as they're being born and changes nerves and their sucking patterns and how alert they are and all these different things. It's like how long is the piece of string? And so our outcomes aren't as great as they should be. And so one, I like to call it like an insurance policy. And Mm. for breastfeeding, that is antenatal expressing. And so getting to know your breasts when you have time, because you still have time when you're pregnant, you don't have much time when you have a baby and you're starting to have issues. So having time to be able to handle and look at your breasts and feel them and get to know them, because we've no one's ever used their breasts as they were intended to until they've gone to breastfeed a baby. And so you you can do this and whether or not you actually express colostrum, you've started to practice hand expressing and that in and of itself is a really valuable skill that if you do manage to express any colostrum, which takes practice, you can store and freeze it for your baby at birth and it's going to be the absolute perfect nutrition so that if you any complications arise if you are separated from your baby 
if they have low blood sugar levels, if your milk is slower to come on in, you're already a step ahead and you already know what a lactation consultant is so that if you do have these issues, A, you can still feed your baby, but B, you can jump on um, and find the right health professional sooner rather than later. So I love being able to share those kits and part of what's included is video instruction so that women can see how to hand express. There's also the written version so they can learn about why it's important, which is everything I've just talked about, but then how to do and how to store it and what that looks like because it's still a fairly new concept. Like it's really something, something that 10 years ago we weren't talking about. And even then when we did start talking about it, it was only for women who were high risk. But in our modern-day birthing system, we can't be guaranteed that just because you've had a low-risk pregnancy that you're going to have a low-risk birth and there's not going to be any kind of challenging outcomes that come with that. So Antonella Expressing is a pretty dang good insurance policy and really just helps you to be a step ahead, really. Hey, beautiful mamas and women listening out there. I hope you're enjoying this episode with Kate. She's real, raw, and authentic. I'm literally obsessed with the concept of prenatal expressing, and I think what an empowerment on your launch into your motherhood breastfeeding journey, regardless of what happens on the other side. It's a great first step in empowerment. We never know what's going to happen in our birth. We never know what's going to look like on the other side with breastfeeding, but you can have confidence that you've frozen and stored your colostrum as a backup no matter what. But what I really wanted to share with you, which I'm super excited about, is this Thursday night, we are hosting myself and a really great friend, Claire, who's a doula up in Western Australia, a postpartum class all about different postpartum packages, great products you can be using postpartum from nutritional supplementation, mushrooms to low-tox products, low-tox baby products, how to support our bodies after birth, how to support our babies after birth, and just some really great confirmation around what things can look like and what you can prepare for once Bubba arrives. And I know that there are an array of products out there for us as consumers and it can be super overwhelming. And the last thing you want to be looking into is endless, deep, natural living you know, product research when you're just trying to focus on your labor and your birth and potentially even storing and preparing your food. So this is going to be a really great class with Claire and I that I know you're absolutely going to love. So grab some information in the show notes or jump over to my Instagram at bellinbeyond underscore to get the class invite. It will be 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time on Thursday, the 17th of June. So tomorrow night. So if you're available tomorrow night, come on over and join us for a postpartum party. And it's going to be super empowering and super fun. And we're going to provide you with everything you need postpartum and on your low tox journey. So I'm really, really excited. Jump into the show notes, grab some info or jump over to my Instagram at belly and beyond or one word underscore and grab that link. You're going to absolutely love this. Expressing colostrum is exhausting after birth. I had to hand express all my colostrum literally into a little 
plastic spoon with the midwife sitting with me. It was awkward. It was weird. It felt like I was working so hard and like a few little drops come out and then you've got to, I would surrender off the spoon and that was because I couldn't breastfeed and I was committed. I did it every three hours and I was separated. Just like you said, he was in NICU again. He wasn't meant to. Clef babies don't need to go to NICU, but the team wasn't onto it enough, which was, it was fine. Didn't bother me that much, but I would then go down and visit and I would take my syringes and I'd put it in his little bed on the little pillow and I'd write his name and everything was all there. It was the most Mm. proud, awesome. Even though it's literally like a few meals, but I think back and I'm like, I wished I was doing that before I'd just given birth and I was absolutely fatigued. And maybe I wouldn't have had to be so strict with my expressing colostrum because I would have already had an extra supply. Yep, totally, totally. And like you, we don't always need it. Like for some babies in an ideal world where they're nice and alert and healthy and active and mum's well supported babies will get on and, and they breastfeed and with support and if they're allowed unlimited skin to skin they'll have enough breastfeeds and you know they will there won't be an issue and we don't necessarily need that colostrum but you're right if you look back at it now and you haven't done it you kind of go geez that would have been handy for me we can always use that colostrum later like it's full of antibodies it's incredible you can give it to your baby at any point in time (laughs) totally you can use it on like their sticky eyes and wounds you can always donate it as well like where you know informal milk sharing is such a common thing there's women who for whatever reason cannot breastfeed their babies from birth so if someone was to donate colostrum that's such a valuable gift so it's never wasted. Like it's not it's not a waste of your time. So I always say to women, I'm like, if you express and you don't use it all, don't chuck it. Like this is literally liquid gold. And it is. It's like it's not like when I say insurance policy, it's no different to someone having private health insurance and they don't use it for ten years. No one goes, Oh, that was a waste of money. <laughs> but if they suddenly need major surgery, they're like, oh, well, thank God I paid for that and thank God I didn't cancel it. It's not, it's never right. wasted. Yeah, seriously. And I'm looking like on your website as we speak, like it's $40 for your antenatal expressing kit. Yeah. Like I'm going to make a commitment now and everyone's going to hear me say it so I'm so accountable. <laughs> Every one of my girlfriends or anyone I know that's having a baby, I'm going to get them one of these kits and put it in with something cute because you always want to buy something yeah. cute or something else yeah. they've put on there. Something fluffy. Baby shower list, yeah. whatever. And this is something that they might not know they need, but the fact that you've yeah. given it to them, they'll be like, oh, I'll do that, like whatever. I look at all my friends' baby shower list and they always have bottles, steamers, pumps, totally. all this stuff because like I might not be able to breastfeed so I'm going to make totally. sure I have formula in bottles. Yeah. And I'm like if you're already thinking like that, what would be any different to having an antenatal kit and expressing? Like yeah. that to yeah. me is just so practical. Yes. So I love that you have that. Yeah. It's really cool. I haven't seen many people actually do that, which was something that really stuck out to me about yeah. your Instagram. I was like, wow, you create a lot of beautiful awareness around this and I've had a couple of really cool stories with mums that have had preemie babies yeah. and one of the things that they said they were so glad that they did was this because the baby couldn't latch because it was so, so small so and they good. were so glad they had their backup supply. Oh, so perfect. there's just so many scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you also do have a breastfeeding ebook. So tell us a little bit about that, which empowers yeah. mums as well when they're pregnant. 
Yeah, totally. So I put together the our ebook in originally in combination with the online breastfeeding course, and then I just kind of thought, you know what, this is just such a really simple, reliable tool that I might just pop out and make available on its own. And lots of mums have absolutely loved it. It's about twenty six pages. It's super simple, but goes through just those really fundamental basics. So we can go through why support from partners is important, positioning and attachment, nipple pain, damage, where to find support, normal output for your baby, normal baby behavior, kind of all those really common things that you need in the early days. And so it's just, I find it, it can be really challenging to find reliable resources from like that, that are really holistic because sometimes we'll talk just about breastfeeding and then other people will talk just about sleep. But breastfeeding and sleep and support are really closely intertwined. So I like to think that this is just really thorough, kind of top to bottom and everything in between. It even goes past beyond the newborn period into like teething and biting and aversions and breast refusal, that the common things that might crop up after that newborn period in that first 12 months. To really just support women, but to give them a tool that's reliable. So it's so easy to download. You can save it on your phone. So if you have questions at two o'clock in the morning, you think, oh, I'll just double check. And it's there and there's lots included in it. So it's, yeah, I'm really proud of it. And it's just, I, I didn't make it too long because no one has time to read anything that's long. <laughs> It's just really simple. It's like, yeah, page five, scroll down, page five, it tells me what I need. Like it's not, doesn't drag on, it's not long-winded. It's just short and simple what you need to know. And if you need further support, then you, you can search that out. And if you do need anything else, then highly likely that one-on-one support would be beneficial for you, whether that's for me, another lactation consultant, whoever it may be, your GP, whatever. Um, but then that's available. It can kind of direct you in that way I love that it's I just we need more simple easy tools that empower mums in different situations and they again how good to have that just because you're pregnant and you can reach for it and read for it and already have that knowledge going into your birth yeah ready yeah I just think it's awesome yeah just being um, and coming from someone who's really passionate <laughs> yeah it does help it does really help just one final thing I'd love for you to touch on as well is if you like, obviously, I'm a pumping mom. I'm yes. super proud about it. Yeah. It was the most empowering option for me as a mom that couldn't breastfeed. Yeah. And it's literally the greatest achievement I've ever made. I can ever. Imagine. Other than literally birthing <laughs> my child, that obviously yeah. was always the greatest. But I can't believe how many women aren't given pumping or expressing as an option when things yeah. really aren't working yeah. or. For whatever reason, there's 100%. so many scenarios medically for the baby, medically for you. Like, mums yeah. might even have to get admitted to hospital for something and they yes. can't take their baby. Yeah. Like, there's so many, so many reasons. And I, and I, I do feel like the first advice that is generally given based on so many stories that have been told to me is you know, fed is best, don't worry about it, just use formula, have a bottle. And I've personally seen women actually have an onflow of like depression or trauma or regret or really unrecognized emotions because 
they then thought I should just be grateful that I can feed my baby. But really I'm actually grieving and I wish someone would acknowledge that I'm actually not okay about this. And it feels like something's been stolen from you. That's how I felt when I couldn't breastfeed. I felt like someone stole something from me. And then when I re-empowered myself with the option to express, I felt like I got my power back as a mom and I had this other way of feeding my baby. It was just a different route. Yes, exactly. So I'm really passionate about that <laughs> yes, totally. like when you've lived and breathed it like for mums who exclusively breastfeed you are in a league of your own like yes breastfeeding is hard but it tends to get easy with time exclusively expressing mums are just next level so you are absolutely allowed to be so proud of yourself because it's just <laughs> it's just next level but yeah you're right breastfeeding grief and trauma is such a real thing and I wish that it's something that we talk about more you know, we're coming into a time where we really talk about birth trauma and the grief that women experience when they don't have, not necessarily the birth that they anticipated, but they didn't receive the care that they should have received. And same thing translates into the breastfeeding world, where if we don't receive the support and advice to meet our breastfeeding goals, even if they need to change because of certain circumstances, whether that be because of your baby or yourself or some kind of circumstance that's cropped up, we need to be supported in that. So expressing is such a good option for some women. It's absolutely perfect. It might not be their first preference by any means, but if that's a means to be able to feed their babies with their own milk, there's so much purpose in that. And one thing that I see so much is this notion that it needs to be all or nothing with breastfeeding. And that is yes. so hard. And I say that to probably every second client that I see is that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. If you can't exclusively breastfeed your baby directly from your breast, that doesn't mean that you need to wean them. What is the value? Like, why do we breastfeed? What is it about it? What's your purpose in this? And for some people, it's going to be, I, I know that my baby is receiving my milk. I have a right to this is my human biological function to make breast milk. This is my purpose as a mother. People find so much solace in that. It, it could just be that this is just how you anticipated motherhood to look like. You could be, you could have a significant medical history and know the power of breast milk at preventing significant medical complications for your child, whatever that may be. So there's always some kind of a reason that drives us to breastfeed our child, but whether that's directly breastfeeding, whether that's you can't actually breastfeed at all and you do sole formula feeding with a supply line that's attached to your breast so you're still breastfeeding, whether you exclusively pump and use bottles but your baby's receiving 100% of your breast milk, whatever that looks like and anything in between is still a valid breastfeeding journey. It doesn't have to be all or nothing and I think that's something that I really strive to support mums on because it's your journey it's no one else's and I think that's something else that women can really struggle with when you've got all those opinions and someone else giving you something else and you're like come on it's hard to figure out what you want and that's why I say to mums I go what's your goal what do you ultimately if you could write your own story what would breastfeeding look like for you And that's going to be so different in every circumstance. And I can totally imagine for you that if knowing that directly breastfeeding isn't a possibility to go, well, what's my next best option? If your next best option is going, well, heck, I'll be damned. My baby's going to have every bit of milk directly from me. 
then that's all power to you. I think it's so important that we appreciate the diversity of everyone's breastfeeding journeys and knowing that there isn't just one way and one outlook for it because that's not the case. Some women need to use nipple shields long term. Some women need to pump long term. Some people need to use a supply line. Some people need other breastfeeding aids. Other people can go on and with the right support and navigate issues, whatever that may be, um, every journey looks different. And until we stop and take note of that and appreciate it for what it is and appreciate the role of breastfeeding and breast milk, for a mum and a baby, like what you've done health-wise for your baby and for yourself is remarkable. That's taken an enormous commitment, but it's important. It's important to you, it's important to your child, and it's important to your long-term health. So, yeah, I'm so glad that you had that moment as when stuff, the patriarchy, <laughs> and just pumped until forever. It, it's like also part of the healing in it all. So 100%. I could – I would – go down the street and see other mums breastfeeding and I would yeah. burst into tears yeah. because I'd I'd grieved and I'd like process yeah. through it but then I also felt empowered in my choice yeah. that's why I, I want to talk more about breastfeeding I admire breastfeeding I watch people breastfeed and I say I'm really sorry that I'm staring I just it's like yeah so it's yeah. for me because I didn't get through it I just want to watch you do it you know what yeah. I mean like I get excited Excited by it, and I'm like, okay, I'll try again next time. Absolutely. And like, you know, I think about all yeah. the types of things. I just love you said it just doesn't have to be black and white. I yeah. think about for whatever reason, maybe a mum can't breastfeed all day. Whatever. Yeah. I feel like someone might come along and go, oh, well, you're not breastfeeding enough. You're not giving them enough milk. Just don't worry about it and just give them a bottle yeah. rather than just be like, okay, just breastfeed what you can mm-hmm. and okay, give a bottle the other time. Like yeah. two breastfeeds at the start of the day is totally. so amazing totally. and just to tell someone to throw it in and then they're like, oh, I failed. I yep. didn't produce enough milk. There's no point rather than me like, okay, well, let's just meet where you're at and exactly. let's just do a, a bit of both or whatever. I don't know. It is funny how many women get shut down. Yeah, for sure. I love to support mums with them if they need to do long-term top-ups for whatever reason, whether that's breast tissue related or I've got a significantly premature baby or whatnot that needs that extra supplementation, that if everything's okay, that they say directly breastfeed from the time that mum goes to bed till first thing in the morning and then do top-ups during the day because that's also manageable. And women often breathe this sigh of relief. Oh, like I can rest and I can parent in the way that I Mm -hmm. like to overnight, but I can still make sure that my child is well fed during the day and it's about being adaptable and what's going to work for this individual mm. family and for this baby and it really that's where that's where and I say that help. yeah I say to moms I go this we really do need a one-on-one approach you can receive so much good information out there you know like that's what I'm dedicated to you know kind of social media wise and product wise but nothing replaces that one-on-one support and kind of really being able to individualize it and see where you're at and make that plan so that it's manageable and achievable and you're happy with it it's like well this might not be my first preference but we can work towards this and these are the steps that we need to take there's so much power in that redemption of working towards your goal like any other goal if your goal is to run 5k you start somewhere and it's not going to be easy so if you're having any issues 
you know, working with someone who's a professional to support you to get you there is just invaluable. And you're only ever going to get that through that one-on-one support. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it's so good. It makes me so excited because I just know there's lots of mums out there that are going to be listening or soon to be mums thinking like, wow, there's options for me. Okay. Like, totally. yeah, it's, it's empowering and redemptive and it's inspiring and it's just adaptable. Like you said, yeah, thank totally. you so much, Kate, for your time. You're, I know you're so busy and you've got clients and you've got other things that you're doing, but I really appreciate you taking time to continue educating women on their breastfeeding journey. It's awesome. So girls, women and dads, if they want, they can find you over on your Instagram. (laughs) Milky Milky Business Lactation. Lactation. Yeah. Come give me a wave and a follow. I love being able to build that beautiful community of families who are just so vested in their breastfeeding and parenting experience. It's an amazing little community we've got going and I'm so proud of it. And there's, yeah, I try and always add value to your lives through your feed. And I don't post rubbish. And I certainly don't accept sponsorship. I value your time. And I know that I just don't want to contribute. So that's a conscious decision that I make on social media. And go check out Kate's Reels. That's what first got me hooked on Kate's page, especially her pumping hack with the bra. I was like, oh, how did I not know this the last 12 months? Plus all the other hilarious crocheted boobs, nipples, yeah. crocheted breasts hanging. Everywhere, yeah. Creative, really creative way that you give visuals to educate on your social platform, which I found really, really, really cool. So, yeah, thanks so much for coming, Kate. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Bell and Beyond. Mama, I know you're so busy and your time is precious. So, I hope today's episode has left you feeling more empowered around your choices and that your voice matters. If you have loved this week's episode, make sure you subscribe and get all the weekly updates. It would also be so awesome if you could leave a five-star review for this independently run podcast produced by this mama herself. And if you've had all the feels today and a mum's popped into your mind, jump over, send her a DM or share it on your stories. That would be the absolute best. If you have any questions at all, connect with me over on my Instagram at bellyandbeyond underscore and let's write or rewrite your story of motherhood together.